welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. Welcome to Practitioner Radio, episode 48, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. Hello, Troy. Hey, Chris. How you doing today? Doing well. We are, let's see, it's post-Pink Forum. Uh, is that what's the Pink Leadership Forum in Arizona? Yeah, Pink Leadership Forum. We just came back. A really good event, though we, we burned our buns in the Arizona heat, but we were right below uh, Camelback Mountain. It was gorgeous. Yes, I, I actually ran into some Georgian friends there just recently. Uh, Practitioner Radio, uh, episode 47, of what it takes to do service desk. Uh, a lot of people chiming in on that one. They like the real simple... Like, oh, you do this, and you do this, and you do this, which I thought was really good. Reversi, I got a lot of interesting emails on that. People are kind of questioning, like, well, what are metrics anymore, if that's the case? And then, uh, real quick, we had uh, a bunch of people who wanted standard and case books, and we got two of those out. Thank you to the people who wrote us to ask for books. So lots of good stuff. Today... Do we, do, we, do we have a roadmap for today? Specifically, IT service management roadmap. So what does it look like? What does it mean to plan? And this is a frequently asked question we get all the time. Do we have, I mean, do we have anybody who, besides you and I, would might, maybe could help us with this? Or how's that going to work? We can just try to figure it out on our own? Well, it's funny you should ask, because I asked one of the people that I think has the most practical experience doing this to join us today. <laughs> Mr. Jack Probst, how are you doing, Jack? Uh, I'm doing great, Chris. How are you? I'm always quite smurfy. Uh, Jack, now, Jack, before we get going... Uh, I, I, I want to I wanna make a sound. Do you hear that sound, Jack? I can hear that. Do you know what that sound is, Jack? Um, I, I think you're going to tell me. I don't think it's your heartbeat, so. No, no. Actually, I, I would actually have, a, have, have, to have to have a heart for that. No, this is the <laughs> ITSMF USA President's Award from 2010. And if I'm not mistaken, am I am I speaking to a potential president? Uh, yes, you are. Yeah, I take over uh, ITSMF USA, the president's role in De- uh, in December. So yeah, I, uh, that's what I do. Mr. President elect. So one of your predecessors gave me this big honking, like you know, intruder award. I'm sure it was well deserved, Chris. At the time, I'm sure it was. Uh, Jack, a roadmap and planning. Those are things that usually don't happen at the same time. You usually have a roadmap, and then you figure you don't need planning, or you have planning, and you figure well, you don't do a roadmap as your outcome. Troy and I are very good about getting things written down. What did you say to me, Troy, once? Or did I read it in a tweet? Uh, if it's not written down, it's a rumor. If it's documented, if it's not documented, it's a rumor. Or it's not even true. It's not even true. So, Jack, help us. Uh, if you're planning a IT service management roadmap, do you plan to do the roadmap? Is the roadmap part of the planning? And let's just be real simple to get started. So the simple answer to that, Chris, is yes. Without uh, planning and without a roadmap, in the, the words of uh, Yogi Berra, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> in many cases, I find organizations, uh, they're coming to that fork in the road and they just make you know, very extraneous, uh, potentially even undisciplined decisions about what direction they should head in. So, um, yes, the roadmap involves planning and planning involves roadmap. So you have to have both to help guide you on your journey. But the other question is, 
is the roadmap even the first thing you should be thinking about? I was going to ask what I was thinking. <laughs> is it ever too late to do a roadmap? Can you be 10 years into your journey and then do one? No, I don't think so, because the roadmap itself takes into consideration current conditions, uh, where you are relative to the work that you've already performed, uh, what the current state of the organization is, and uh, helps you scribe out put down in writing uh, what you believe your next steps will be for whatever period of time that you consider within your planning window. So it's never too late to do one. Uh, I always encourage people when we talk to potential clients in the early discussions, I always encourage them to, to do the roadmap, but there's a couple of preparatory steps that I think are most important that the client should consider before they step into the roadmap venue. A couple preparatory steps now. Troy, I think he's baiting us. I think he is, but that was I was giving him a lead in though too though. Yeah, did you hear the splash in the water as that bait <laughs> went out there? Uh so, so a couple preparatory steps. So let let's let's go with those. Uh do you have how many do we have here? So I think there's really two basic ones, Chris. Okay. I can handle that. So what we've found in work that, that I have specifically done recently it's really important that the team that's going to be focused on the roadmap, that they have guidance from leadership. And, and leadership should obviously be the, the IT leadership, but most importantly, the business needs to weigh in on this as well. Uh, but they need to have guidance with respect to what are considered by leadership the most important things that the organization needs to be focusing on over the, the next few years. If that's the planning window, and most most of the time the planning window is two to three years out. And typically to get to those uh, most important things, uh, what's required is to work through what your strategy will be. Uh, so establishing the high-level guidance for the overall direction of, the, of IT, uh, which will align with the goals and objectives uh, of the business. And so for us here at Pink, what we talk about is having conducted a vision and strategy workshop in advance of the roadmap. And one of the most significant outcomes from the vision and strategy workshop is something that I call POA statements or point of arrival statements. And what a point of arrival statement does is that it outlines based on leadership direction, it outlines where they would like to see the organization be at, if, if that's appropriate English, uh, at the end of, uh, say, year one, year two, year three, and potentially across domains, the, the four Ps, people, process, partner, and product. Uh, and with those statements, the roadmap team can then venture forward and develop the details that are needed in order to uh, clearly lay out uh, the, the path forward or this roadmap. So that's that's one of the, the most important steps, I think, is to have worked through your vision and strategy and, and decide on what are your, your POAs uh, for your planning window. Before you go on there, buddy, um, at the Pink Forum, just, we just came from that, you were there too, one of the keynotes actually made a very interesting comment about how they plan to get a guy on the moon and back again. Oh, yeah. I think that relates to what you're talking about. Yeah, so that was uh, a great uh, statement. It was Tom Flick. He was meeting with a group of NASA scientists uh, a few years back, and he was talking about strategic planning. And, and you know, you'd always think when Kennedy made the speech and he declared that we were going to send a man to the moon and return him safely before the end of the decade, 
that the engineers who are going to focus on this say, okay, I got to build a rocket. I got to put the rocket on the launch pad. I got to shoot it up to the moon, let people walk around on the moon and then get them home. And he said, you know, when, when Kennedy said what he did, he asked these, these, this group of engineers, he said, when they, they asked, when he said this, what did you guys think about? How did you plan for this? And he says, well, it was kind of interesting. I mean, you would normally think of that standard way I just described. He said, we actually reversed it. He said, we have people on the moon. How are we going to get them home? And he said, when you, when you think about it from that perspective, it actually causes you to rethink a lot of the, the common assumptions and constraints and so forth. And so that's, that's a great point, Troy, because as we talk with organizations about things such as the vision and strategy, um, the steps that we walk them through is we have them understand where they are today. But most importantly, what we ask them to do is think five years out, where do you want to be as an organization? And then in essence, what we do is we step them back or we take them back from the moon back to what uh, the current reality is. So uh, it's a great point. Thanks for, the, thanks for the reminder there. I like the idea of starting with the end in mind. Who is that, Covey? You, you know, you're talking about this, this, this planning meeting. Uh, you had a fancier name for it. The vision and strategy. Yeah, the vision and strategy. That's, gosh, that sounds like an exciting meeting to go to. <laughs> but it's probably important to get the right people in there. And some people struggle with just getting the right people to talk to them. And sometimes the right people don't feel like they really understand why we, we should have one of these things. Uh, someone on Twitter the other day tweeted, uh, if, you, if it matters, Peter Kretzman, uh, any CIO today who is not primarily focused on the business outcome is really an IT director, not a CIO. Hmm. Getting the right people in the room, is it about titles or is it about people who can go move into the culture talk we've had many times on Practitioner Radio? Is it about getting the right stakeholders that can move the needle within the organization? Or do you absolutely need to get the highest of the high people in there? Because that seems to, a lot of the feedback we get from Practitioner Radio, emails and people tweeting me, messaging me, say, hey, I love this stuff, but I can't get my important people in the room. Uh, you know, it really does come down to influence, Chris. You know, this these initiatives, especially when you are talking about strategy and in the, in the long-term direction for the organization, uh, we need to have the individuals in the room that have the accountability and the authority to make the right decisions. And I got to tell you, they, that comes from leadership. Mm. It's unfortunate that if leadership doesn't see that as part of their role, that really does uh, raise some questions in terms of uh, is this a, a strategic view of the organization or are we thinking more tactically and operationally? Mm. And to that point, we find a lot of the ITIL projects we work on are actually middle in, not top down. Well, yeah, the middle in, top down, it's kind of, you know, Troy, you always have such a more graceful way of saying what I'm trying to say. But, you know, but just based on the feedback, you know, I love this idea of this meeting, but, you know, I think... You know, it, it, we do start to cover some of these cultural steps. Um, do you need to understand why you're doing? I mean, you talked about having, you know, the end in mind. Talking about we have maybe we have men on the moon. In the case of an ITS robot, what what is what does that look like? We have uh, a certain sets of metrics that are below a certain thing. We have a functioning processes of X. I mean, or do you literally have to individually, organization by organization, talk to the leadership and find out what's important to them to find that? what men on the moon looks like to work backward? No, you know, you could probably do it by asking uh, or polling individuals, but think about this. You put the right people in the room 
and someone's going to make a statement, just as we're doing right now on this this radio broadcast. So you're going to make us you're going to make a statement, and the person sitting next to you goes, "You know, that triggers a thought for me." And and what you get is you get that synergy, right? And it's really tough to get that synergy, that one plus one equals three moment when you're talking on an individual by individual basis. So yes, you've got to have the right people in the room and and you have to have the right people in the room. The number of people in the room, I think the only issue there is, do you have the right people and do you want to keep it something less than a mob? Uh, I recently did a roadmap exercise that had 25 people in the room um, and that was uh, that was a little bit of a challenge, but it's more of a challenge, not so much around the ideas flying around as it is just the facilitation, the coordination, which is just something that you have to work through. Okay. So this is a recent roadmap you did to kind of maybe tighten up my question a bit. And Troy, feel free to chime in here. You know, I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm t- taken back by the idea that you didn't plan to take a man to the moon. You plan to bring a man home. Uh, so in the roadmap scenario, what do you plan to come back from? Oh, you got those point of arrival statements that Jack was referring to, right? And you've got them as not what am I going to actually implement, but what is going to be the result. Yes. Yeah, so, so what are some examples of that? I mean, because... I mean, I'm, this is my, my learning time each week. So point of arrival statements for an organization. For service management, yeah. Yeah, so for instance, uh, one of the things that we do, so this put the man on the moon concept, we, I asked them about the envisioned future. Hmm. Um, and I'm borrowing that term. It's not something I dreamed up. I'm borrowing that from Jim Collins and Jerry Porras uh, in their article, Um uh, defining your company vision. It was written back in 97. It was a Harvard Business Review article. So I asked them, if you're going to describe the organization five years out, which which takes them out of their comfort zone, they have to <laughs> sort of walk out on the ice a little bit. That might be just a tad thin. So they have to take a bit of a risk and say, so where do we want to be? And and what, what, I, what I get from those conversations is I get descriptions of these are attributes or qualities or um, if someone was going to ask me in that elevator what what the future might look like, you know, these might be the four, five, six, so forth bullet statements. So as an example, an envisioned future item for, uh, for this particular organization was they like to have mature processes that are effective, efficient, timely, and easy to follow. Okay, that's that's kind of you know sort of generic and so forth but it but it is an attribute it is a uh, a definition of where they would like to be at some point that man on the moon concept and so then what we do is we say all right if that's the case then in order to get there and understanding where you are today and we've taken them through a SWOT analysis as uh, a means of creating the baseline uh, we say, all right, so if that's where you want to be in five years, what would be your statement if, if you ran into the president of the organization at the end of 2014 and the president turned to you and said, hey, what did you do this year on that process stuff? You say, well, we did this, we did this, we did this, and we did this. You didn't lay out the plan. You just said, this is where we arrived at at the end of that year. Um, fairly simple statements, but around that, you can develop very specific plans. You can also have conversations about things such as constraints. So what are constraints or assumptions that I might have to bring to the fore in order to have accomplished those uh, point of arrival statements? And then another thing that we find very helpful, Chris, is 
when people start to think about this and they say, well, we want to get to X, whatever X happens to be, it might right. be, you know, we want to have a dedicated system in place so that we can run our processes. But you know what? While we're talking that out, we realize that we could do something in, a, in two months, three months, three weeks, whatever, and I can document a quick win, mm. something that I can get accomplished that can deliver value. That's what those POA statements look like. And that's how people have the conversations to get there. Yeah, it's not, I've implemented incident management, problem management. Um, I've implemented a tool, you know, X, Y, Z. It's, it's literally what is the result of what you've achieved. It's a measure of success. I like that. And Troy, you and Jack, you both have, uh, you know, done extensive work around this with companies and, and blogging and, and, and sharing it at conferences. Do, is there an example roadmap uh, that there even one maybe we could pull out a pink atlas we could share on the show notes or something because Troy's had some really good graphics we've put on the show. <laughs> well, the graphic I've used before in the article on my blog, deploying versus documenting ITSM processes, yes. there's actually a roadmap picture right there. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Okay, so we'll make sure we put that in the notes, folks, because I know people are always like, well, gosh, this is all really good and we're having a meeting and we decide these these arrival statements and, okay, we're actually on the moon. And well, What is it? People want to see something in their, in their hands. The next piece is the tangible bits. That's the plans, and I think that's where we should go next. Yeah, Jack, what, what kind of things do we actually work on in this roadmap workshop? Yeah, so let's back up for a second. So our roadmap and the way we think about the roadmap has has evolved over time. You know, one thing that I I truly appreciate a, a roadmap for your roadmap. A roadmap for our roadmap. <laughs> Very good, Chris. Yeah, you, you get a kudo for that one. <laughs> yeah, we used to pay attention in life. It's really difficult. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and and one of the things that I appreciate about the pink elephant and and the folks that I work with is that uh, we're never shy about saying so how can we how can we do this better uh, you know what is the lesson learned and so um, over time we've we've gotten better at at uh, developing roadmaps and so currently the way we think about this is that we have basically seven specific deliverables that we come to the table with. So the first of these, and, and this is something that you would clearly expect to see, but uh, the one thing that we come to the table with is a process plan. So we want to make sure that we have a, a plan that fully details what are the specifics around the processes, what are the some of the key ingredients and some of our thinking behind uh, the processes and the, the artifacts uh, that will have to be delivered, what are some key milestones and so forth. And at the, the tail end of that process plan is what you described, Chris, the graphics. And so we have um, uh, a document that gives us the, uh, the necessary uh, fodder for conversation if we want to socialize this with other key stakeholders within IT. And then also, most importantly, if we want to go out and talk to the business and the customers. So that's one piece. Uh, second piece is a tool plan, um, and it's a fairly high-level uh, approach to what are some of the requirements around the tools and what will be needed in order to support the processes. And, and there's a key linkage there that I think you'll see as a common theme throughout all these plans, and that is, is that the process plan is the penultimate document. So everything else that we do as we think through our roadmap comes back to that process plan. And oh, by the way, that process plan is all built off of the POA statement. So you can see how all this builds one on the other. And then we talk about process governance. Don't leave home without it. If you're going to stand up these processes, you have to have a means by which you're providing oversight and direction for your processes both today and the future. 
We talk about organizational change because as we implement processes, um, those processes are going to involve... Behavioral change. Yeah, those behavior changes and so forth, and we have to talk about that. And then there's two integral documents that are part of the organizational change, which are training plans and communication plans, because organizational change not only deals with my job has changed, but also we need to start talking about and communicating to people so that they're not surprised, they understand what's coming at them, and then training them relative to their skill sets and their new roles. And then last but not least, we have um, a project charter. Uh, Sometimes we use the the pink template for the project charter, uh, or in some cases, uh, organizations have a a charter document that they typically use. And then there's a a sidebar to that project charter that's another activity, but we use pink ready Uh, to help assess the relative risk of the overall program and make sure that we have some mitigation strategies, at least get people thinking about what those strategies would be and include that in the charter. So so in one week's time, Chris, we we deliver a process plan uh, pretty much fully fleshed out. It's ready to be socialized. We're pretty ready to go on that project charter, and then we have good drafts around uh, those other plan documents that I talked about. Those are three of the key P's. The, the partner P is also important because often people overlook the fact that every organization has you know, third-party suppliers in their value chain, and they have to be involved in this overall strategy. Yeah, we've, we've talked a lot about those partners and making sure they're involved. And you know, between the stakeholders we brought up earlier and, and, and the partners and, and just the influencers, which can be sometimes the stakeholders and sometimes not, it, it certainly is a, a, a dicey, I don't want to say dicey, but it seems to me it would be you guys probably do God's work in some ways at Pink when you go out and meet with these organizations because uh, it, it can be uh, pretty difficult. Uh, how often do you find organizations, when helping them with their roadmaps, and thank you for articulating the way the documents related to each other, because until you did that, I wasn't quite sure. So Troy's like, this is the perfect segue. It was the perfect segue. How often do you find that you have to sometimes maybe suggest to them uh, or help lead them? And, you know, you are consultants and not advisors, or, or maybe you do both. Uh, or, or most people just know what they want and they know how their roadmap should look. Let me let me take a shot at that one. Yeah. You know what? They, most people know what they're trying to achieve. Mm. You know, we're trying to help them crystallize what that is. But often what will happen is they'll be focused unhealthily on one key aspect. Uh, they'll be thinking about the tool and that's the primary objective. Or they'll be even thinking about the process and that's the primary objective. But it's always a balanced approach. If you if you look at or overemphasize one over the other, you're going to potentially find yourself in a tiger trap. And that's the key is looking at the integrated systems approach mm. in a systems thinking model about all the components which need to be in place for success. One is not going to cut it. Yeah, we did kind of get really heavy with the systems thinking type approach. Jack, is the quick win for creating ITSM roadmap maybe the idea that you know you need to do it? <laughs> or or, or, or there? <laughs> Because uh, you know, some people just want small. You know, what what's the bare minimum I can do out of, uh, you know, for practitioner radio at forty eight? And we they talked about ideas and roadmaps, and I took away that I needed to have this meeting, and there's these documents. It, it, what's something someone can do to even get the ball rolling in their organization? So interesting that you ask. Not really. <laughs> I'm all, all seeing like Sauron from from Mount Doom. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, throw in the ring. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Are you Gollum? I, I wasn't sure. Yeah. So I have a, a customer engagement that's that's coming up, and they said, you know, all this stuff looks good, but 
we we have to prepare a business case. We have to get ready to uh, go before the key decision makers. So, what would you consider to be the sort of the the, the base limit with respect to the roadmap? And and for me, it was I need to understand what the point of arrival statements are. It that avoids the Yogi Berra statement. I mean, you clearly want to know what direction you want to head in. And then I think the second one is that process plan. Without the process plan, you really can't have a roadmap. And and to back to Troy's point, when we talk about the process plan and we talk about point of arrival statements, one of the the key elements that go into those conversations are the four Ps. So I ask people when they're developing these, what are the impacts on people and process and partner and, and, and product so that as they begin to flesh things out, they're able to look across all four of those dimensions um, and, and at least have given consideration for what those plans might be. The other aspects have to be there. Eventually, you'll have to do that. But um, if you want to articulate what the next year or two will uh, eventually be, you very clearly have to do that process plan. And I've had this in numerous presentations. This is a program. It is a series of projects. If you try to do this without some discipline around organizing the tasks and activities that are required in order to del- uh, achieve your deliverables, it's going to fail miserably because it's just going to be a thrashing exercise. So uh, the project charter, um, or at least some some take on it, and definitely the process plan. Well, in that project charter, is is your best friend because it's your definition of what success looks like, right? <laughs> it's if unless you have that, then success is in the eye of the beholder, and whoever that beholder is, you know, defines it. It goes back to that if it's not written down, it's just this ambiguous idea of beauty that we have. Uh, it's just really good stuff. Jack, you know, you've got a really busy year coming up uh, with, uh, you know, taking over the role of the president of the ITSMF with Doug, I think Doug Tedder's leaving. Uh, all the work you do at Pink. Um, You've got family, you've got a bunch of things, but you're not too busy right now to help me out with something, are you? Uh, sure. Did you hear the excitement in my voice there, Chris? I think most people are overwhelmed by your by your tentable emotional states. But uh, it's time it's time for Jack's Thunderbolt tip of the night. I made the statement earlier. I find it interesting that organizations say it's a little bit like magic happens here. They want to do a roadmap, but they have absolutely no idea of the direction they wish to take. And it goes back to the strategy and POAs and so forth. The way I look at this, Chris, is if you were lost in the woods and you were trying to figure your way out, what would be your best friend? And your best friend, obviously, you know, initially, especially if you're at night, uh, would be a compass, right? Or at least you have some knowledge of the North Star and, you know, where the sun comes up and so forth so that you at least have some idea of what direction you want to head in. And to me, that's what the strategy does. It says, I need to go in this direction I have. I understand what magnetic north looks like. And now I can uh, I can script out what my map will be um, so I understand it clearly what that journey is going, going to take. And so my tip of the day is if you have not thought about strategy, if you have not uh, been crisp with respect to what are the expectations about the of the organization relative to this thing that you want to call your ITSM program. Stop 
back up and take another crack at trying to figure that out uh, because it becomes uh, almost a fool's exercise to develop that roadmap without the compass. Well, Jack, thank you so much. You know, and as you were saying that tip, Troy, it made me think uh, to tie the show all together now, if you're lost in the woods and it's the night and the woods happen to be on the moon, the compass does you no good. So be aware of where you are. <laughs> we'll see Can I write that down? <laughs> Sure. Yes, context, current state. (laughs) Troy has ruined me in the three years we've been doing this. Uh, Thank you so much. In a good way, I mean that. Uh, Thank you so much, both of you, for being uh, doing this with us today. And Troy, we'll be back in two weeks for another exciting episode of Practitioner. Troy, you're almost 50. Uh, We'll we'll talk about that soon. Uh, Maybe we'll do a best of show. Uh, Thanks to all the listeners. And thanks for all the feedback, your comments and, and emails and tweets and stuff. And yeah, I know some of you just want books, but we appreciate it. Uh, and thank you, Pink, I love for, for your service to the community. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.